Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. If you have a Bible, you can turn to the book of Numbers. If you can find it, it's the fourth fourth book uh, in the Bible. Uh, You can also use your phone if you want to go there. Numbers 13 is where we'll start. Introductory idea. Uh, Debbie Downer. Have you heard, everybody ever heard of the term Debbie Downer? And what I've explored, somebody just pointed at someone in the room, just so you know. I won't say where it was, but it was over in a general direction. Debbie Downer. Even if you haven't well, here's a description of a Debbie Downer. By the way, there's some SNL skits on it with a Debbie Downer. Anyway, here's a description of a Debbie Downer. It's a negative or pessimistic person. It's a person who speaks only of the bad or depressing aspects of something and lessens the enthusiasm or pleasure of others. Even if you've never heard the Debbie Downer phrase, you have probably experienced Debbie Downer moments, they go something like this. You may say, oh, I'm so excited for this weekend, I have a date. And Debbie Downer will say, oh, hey, you better be careful because there's a lot of creeps out there. Or, you're so excited, we're so excited because we have a newer car. And they go, oh, oh, is that a Chevy? Oh, did you hear about the airbag recall? And that this is something that'll blow your face off if you're not careful, because make sure you don't turn on your turn signal, because did you hear the story about the so-and-so? Right, what? You're working on your physical exercise, physical life, and so you say, I actually walked two miles yesterday, and they say, well, unless you get your heart rate up to a certain point, you're never really going to make a difference, and probably, <laughs> you know, still a 30% chance. You know, most of it's just genetic. You're probably going to die of a heart attack anyway. You go, what the heck? It's the Debbie Downer. A couple of thoughts about the Debbie Downer stuff. It feels like there's a lot of that going on culturally right now, not just through individuals, but a lot of negativism. Is that even a word? I made it up. It's a word now. Uh, um, feels like there's a lot of that. Uh, just a side note, if you are a Debbie Downer, we as a, as a united community would say to you today, stop it. <laughs> or, you know, I, I, by the way, I think for some of us don't struggle with that, but it's a real challenge in my life not to be a, a Debbie Downer. Uh, then the third idea is if we're going to navigate life well, we're going to have to figure out how to navigate negative voices that are all around us. I think maybe this negative voice stuff is why there are Bible verses like this. Ephesians 4.29 says, "Don't." it's a command. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. In Hebrews 3.13, there's another command. It says, encourage one another daily. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, it 
in the context of rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. And verse 19 says, do not quench the Spirit. Now, I'm not interpreting this verse correctly, but it, it reminded me of, okay, don't quench the Spirit. One of the challenges we face, or a question we could have, is how do we not, how do we keep our own spirits from being quenched by the amount and the, the, the frequency of the negative voices that are all around us. So hold those thoughts. We're in this series called Hope. We're trying to increase hope in our lives. And uh, today we're going to try to make that happen by, uh, I'm going to try to give us some help in how do you navigate the, one of the enemies of hope, which is negativity. Uh, so we're going to explore what is kind of a sad Bible story in Numbers. Here's what's going on. God's people have been going through a process. They were um, slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They cry out to God, and God is taking them out of that slavery to a better place uh, actually, it's called the promised land. They've been through this process. If you read Exodus and Leviticus, you can see this journey that they've been on. And, in, and today, in this text, through all this process and up and downs, they end up on the border of right where God wants them to be, which is this promised land. It's a better place. It's what God wants them to live, wants them to thrive. And so they're here. Ta-da! So instead of just going into the land, they send 12 spy-type guys to go in, warrior people, go in and check out what we're moving into. Those 12 men come back and give a report to Moses. Here's what we found. And basically what we're going to see in this text is because of their report, they bring in too much negative stuff, and it disrupts ultimately where God wanted them to be, which was the promised land. So here's the report they gave to Moses, Numbers 13, 27. They gave, this, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. That's Bible language for it's really cool. It's a great place. Here is, the, here is its fruit, but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. Verse 29, the Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites are there. The Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, they all are there. Verse 30, then Caleb, by the way, Caleb is a good voice in the midst of this story. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Here come the Debbie Downers. But the men who had gone up with him, this is likely a group of ten. They say, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great 
size. And they finish in the end of verse 33. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. The title of the talk is Identifying Hope Stealers. And in in case I haven't made it clear, this is uh, a horrible moment in the history of God's people because instead of going into that land and taking it and becoming all God wanted them to be, they end up spending 40 years in a desert and most of them die. It's that kind of pivotal moment in time. And what I want to give you is a couple observations on what made this moment that was such a huge opportunity totally go south and end up being a tragedy. Uh, Before I do that, will you think of some things in your life that they may be going really well and you want to keep them going well, or there may be they may be some hopeful thing that you want to you want to be there financially, physically, spiritually, relationally, Maybe it's specifically an assignment from God that you know God wants me to accomplish these things. What we're going to look at, look at is, is, is things that might steal away that destiny from your life. Um, so, so before I move on, pause, think of something that you really want it to go well. Maybe a hope or a, like a great dream you have. Like for me, I want to have a life When I die, I want there still to be on this earth a ripple effect because of my life. Like, I just want, I think it'd be cool. Even if people don't even know why, I would like their life to be better because I was here. You know, like something like that. So anyway, we all probably have dreams and hopes. So let me pray, and then I'll give you some ideas of ways that the enemy might steal those things. So Father, I really... I am grateful that I know that you have, for all of us, uh, plans and ideas, uh, things that you would like to see us experience or accomplish. And I ask that today you would talk to us in such a way that we would be ready when uh, the negative things would try to steal it. Talk to us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I see two things from the text that kind of stole this hopeful situation. The first one is this. Hope was stolen by interjecting negativity early. By interjecting negativity early. In verse 27... The group reports... We went into the land to which you sent us. It was flowing with milk and honey. It's an awesome place. Here's its fruit. And in verse, 20, verse 28, why did they have to say this? Why did they have to go, but? Why couldn't they just have stopped with the positive? But the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. It's too bad that, that they, they didn't just skip those ideas and go straight to verse 30 where Caleb, by the way, Caleb's a hero in this, where Caleb says, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. That sounds positive and wonderful. Isn't that a great voice? Why did we have to go with the whole butt thing? 
And then, by the way, after Caleb says, we can do this. It's like Caleb's channeling his inner cheerleader thing. Right? He's like, this is good. God is in it. We can do this. But then when he pushes that, then we see the negative stuff just increases. The Debbie Downers, verse 32, it says that they spread among the Israelites, which, by the way, is hundreds of thousands of people in this massive group of people. They begin to spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land. I, I uh, was checking out this word, spread a bad report in the uh, Hebrew, in the original language, and it helped me see some, maybe a little more of the nuance of what's going on here, because the word implies, it'll come up on this creed, the word implies, it indicates whispering, defamation, and evil. So probably how this worked was Caleb's voice, let's go take the land, we can do this. They, they resisted that by planting whispers behind the scenes. And you know how this works. So they're like, hey, 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 uh, what's a good Jewish name? I need a good Jewish name. Anybody know a Jewish name? Okay, Phil. They said, hey, Phil. Didn't help me with anything, so I'll just go with the first one. So they say, so the, the, the negative people would say, Phil, 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 because it's this whisper thing. Come here, come here, Psst, Phil, come here. Phil, you know, so Phil would come over. What? I, I went, I went, I was one of those 10 guys that went to the promise to this land thing. It's really bad in there. Like the land's really horrible, super scary. People are really big. We do not, I mean, this is secret information that I'm giving you. We do not want to go in there, Bill. So what feels like, oh, really? Oh, no, Bill, it's bad. And then, so then they're right, and then somebody else is walking by, right? The next guy's walking by, or the next, did you hear what she said to Phil? No, I didn't hear from Phil. Oh, it's really bad. So they, that just starts to happen all around the place to pull the momentum away from, let's go in and take the promised land. So there's this whispering side of that phrase. There's also this defamation, which me, I think probably what happened is people began to say negative things about Caleb, who was leading, and Caleb, maybe Moses, who was, they were the people who were going to lead them into this place. And that would go like, hey, yeah, yeah, Phil, because, you know, we're talking about Phil all morning. Phil, Phil, come here. Here's another reason why you can't trust Caleb. Because, you know, remember Caleb? And then they tell some story. It's not even true, but a story. Caleb, you know, when we were in checking out the land, I don't even think Caleb was paying attention. I don't even know. You know, I'm not saying anything, but I don't even know if he was really there. Like most of the time. He, do you know how that works? They just plant these seeds of negativity. And it is interesting that that word implies evil. What they are doing is nothing less than sin. So that brings up an idea for us, for me at least, when you think about some of the things that God's asking you to do or dreams that you have that are good dreams, here's a question. How ready am I for a fight? So when the negativity comes, how willing am I to just 
keep pushing to get it done. My observation is, oftentimes, if we have a God-given opportunity or dream, this word, by that word again in the Hebrew is debah, whatever, there is oftentimes, when we get ready to do something really, really great, there is this whispering, it could be this defamation, can happen around us to try to tear us down. Here's an example from my life. I'm trying to make a difference in one of my new neighbor's lives. Um, great guy, just lives across the street. Uh, my, my initial conversations with him, we've had a couple conversations. He doesn't seem particularly open to conversations about God or church or anything, but I had this idea, this dream in my heart that I might be able to help him uh, be forgiven for his sin and know Jesus Christ. And I'm like, that seems like a good plan. But what can happen when I get a good plan like that is I can begin to be swayed by whispers, like even in my own head. You know, I don't know if Sean, he probably doesn't really want you to come over and say hi. He probably really doesn't, you know, and even if you start talking about God, he probably doesn't really want you. He'll never become a Christian, and he already told you he likes to keep distance from, you know, the religious stuff, and blah, blah, blah. That stuff can go on in my head. So I have to decide personally, am I going to fight through that? Am I going to keep going even though that whisper stuff's going on in my head. He could also hear defamation stories or slanderous stories like about, oh, because you know he may have a friend. If, if Sean would ever say, hey, you know, I was talking to my neighbor. I'm thinking about going to church. There, he's going to have one friend that, that goes, oh, man, you don't want to do that. Haven't, have you not heard about those church people? I met my uncles. Oh, and poor Sean, his, neighbor, his neighbor's a pastor. It's like, Oh, have you not heard the horrible pastor stories? And so someone might say, oh gosh, didn't you hear the story about, can I tell you about my uncle's neighbor's friend's wife's daughter's neighbor's friend? She had a neighbor who was a pastor, and he was the uh, serial killer. Yo, yeah, he, yeah, so you don't want to pass, you don't want to be close, pastors kill everybody. That's what they do. Because I read about it on the internet. It's horrible. I'll shoot the, I'll shoot the link to you. Because he's, he's, you know, hope you don't have kittens because they're dead. <laughs> the pastors kill kittens. You know how that, they just tell the worst story ever, whether they know it's true or not. So in the midst of all that, I have to decide whether I'm going to submit to that stuff or worry about that stuff or whether I'm going to say, no, I'm going to have hope and I'm going to love that guy and try to create friendship and does that make sense? Oh, I have a little side note. I, am I going to assume God has a plan and he's going before me trying to get him to that place? Don't un underestimate the value of God's trying to do, God is trying to do that thing that he's asking you to do. He's not asking you to do it alone. He's never asking you to do it alone. He's right in the midst of it. That should give us courage, Right? Oh, got a side tangent. I'm off the notes. You know, one of the sad scenarios of this entire story we're looking at, just a year before this goes down, God had split the Red Sea, had killed the most powerful army in the world, the Egyptian army, and had set these people free. They'd free. They had walked through water on both sides to get it. God had done all that stuff. And today they're going, I don't know if we can. The people are really big. 
What did they lost track? They lost track of who God was. I don't know where I am now. So are you ready for a fight? Think of the area of your life. You know, this is one of the good dreams you have. You want to have a great family. You want to do this. You want to do that. You're ready for a fight. Another, just a quick note. If we're going to be spiritually healthy as Christians and successful, we have to not only know verses like Jeremiah 29, 11. It'll come up on the screen. It says, I know, this is a great verse. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans, these are plans from God. Plans to prosper you, give you hope. There's our word. Give you hope and a future. Is that not a lovely wonderful vision. Isn't that cool? But we cannot know just that verse. We also have to know verses like Ephesians 4 that basically call us to fight the fight to get to where God wants us to be. It says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. The command is to put on the full armor of God. It says, take your stand. We've got to have both of those things if we're going to be successful people. It's not just, oh, I know the plans. God has great plans for me. Part of it is God also wonders, are you willing to fight for it? And I thought about this image of putting on the armor of God. Here's one artist's interpretation. It's heavy. It's meaty. It's, you know, helmet, sword. <laughs> I had a kind of a funny thought. It's very different than what we clothe superheroes today in. Now, all, our superheroes are all in spandex. They're like, hey. Isn't that funny? Like, God would say, you got to have a sword, and you pick up a helmet, and you're going to have to have muscles, and now we're just, I just need this little clingy thing, and then I'll go change the world. Isn't that different? It probably wasn't worth saying, but I thought it was kind of funny. So to finish up this point, getting... Past evil, negative voices will likely require a serious spiritual posture. <laughs> so that was regarding the, the, the interject negativity early. One more thing. Hope gets stolen by consistently exaggerating the truth. What we're going to finish our time talking about is the, the, the reality that Debbie Downers will often, they just lie. They lose track of what is really happening. In this text, it doesn't start out too bad because it says, uh, let's see, let's go to our, our next slide. They describe the land, which God's will is that they go to this land. The people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. That's not too far off. There are some, you know, cities and fortification and all those things. But within four verses, that close to reality thing gets twisted up. Here's what they say by the time you get to verse 32, when they're whispering and talking to people, the land we explored devours those living in it. What does that even mean? There's like giant sinkholes in the promised land. You've got to be careful where you step because the land will suck you in and you'll be dead forever. What? I don't even, they're describing, they are painting a picture of the land that is a lie. 
That's not happening. The land is not swallowing up people. It goes on to say, this one is interesting. They say, all the people, all the people we saw, all, seriously, all the people we saw were of great size. Babies come out of the womb, six foot five, 238 pounds, with so, what the heck are you talking about? There's never been a community ever where all the people, oh no, no, every single one of them. I met this three-year-old, he beat the snot out of me, he was three years old. What are you talking about? There are this exact, and it is no less than a lie. Exaggerating the truth is a lie. People would say, well, it's an exaggeration. It is a lie. They are planting lies in the hearts of these people so they don't get where God wants them to be. So this is kind of a simple point. When it comes to protecting our future, be ready to confront a lie. Identify it, confront it, resist it. Just remember, that is not the truth. Even if you don't confront it physically, verbally, you've got to be able to push through it and at least uh, uh, um, ignore it, dismiss it. So there's a great, there's a story, uh, I think an example, it's a pretty good example, in uh, Samuel, I think it's first, in 1 Samuel 17, the story of a, a man named David, a lot of you have heard of David. David is coming on the scene in this story, it's one of the early stories of David, and uh, um, What's been going on is there's a big army and there's a bully who comes out into a valley and he basically calls out the Israelites. He's bullying them verbally. And the Israelite army, God's people, they're scared of him, but they let this keep going on. So David shows up and he hears, sees this guy named, his name's Goliath, maybe you've heard of it. And, um, and David, God, rises up in David, and, and, ha, and David has an assignment. And I'm, David's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of this guy. But look what happens when David encounters his brother, who's one of the soldiers. In verse 28 of 1 Samuel 17, his older brother says to David, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. That's a lie. That is not what God's call on David's life is. That is not David's intention. David is there to do some amazing thing and then his brother starts to lie about those are lies and the thing that i love about david it goes on to see to say that he turned away here's what david did and we may have to do this no we will have to do this sometimes it says david turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter how tenacious are we in our spiritual life when there's resistance and pushback and lies how good are we at just saying, talk to the hand, big brother. <laughs> I'm, you don't have to do that sound if you want, but you can. And you just say, I'm just going to do this. I could care less what you are saying. There may be a principle there of he didn't spend a lot of time fighting back the lies. He just went on and did what God asked him to do. As followers 
of Jesus. If you're a Christian, one of the mandates or opportunities for us is to figure out what the truth is, live by the truth, just do it, no matter what everybody else is saying. So to finish up our time, a couple questions to assess ourselves. First one is this. Do I need to shut down some lying voices in my life? Do I need to just, you know, Some of them might be coming from within us. Echoes of what we've thought in the past or someone has said in the past and it's time just to be done because it's not the truth do i need to shut down some lying voices that are holding you back tying you down from that great thing that god wants to see us do you do and then the, the last question is am i ready to fight for fight for my promised land that place God wants us to go and he wants to go with us so to recap hope was stolen by interjecting negativity early and consistently exaggerating the truth why don't you stand thanks for listening to the vineyard church weekly message podcast We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.